You're listening to the Gate Charlotte Podcast. Our mission is to reach people, release heaven, and restore culture, sharing in the love of Jesus and all we do. We hope you enjoy this message. Good morning. I feel like I am like this close to losing it. You know that feeling? Like when you're in the presence of the Lord and you don't know to smile or weep or I'm right there. The weird, the smile weep. (laughs) Call it the sweep. (laughs) Thank you, Lord. Can we just sing that, that chorus one more time? And I exalt all thee. You guys know it. Sing it out. I exalt thee. I exalt thee. Oh, And I exalt thee, I exalt thee, I exalt thee. Oh, I'm going to stand up all throughout the room. I know you just sat down, but it's only appropriate. Come on. And I exalt thee. 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 Oh Lord. Tell him for a moment in your own words. Just just exalt the Lord now. Come on. Exalt thee, I exalt thee, worthy, 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 worthy are you, Lord, worthy, worthy, worthy are you, Lord, worthy, 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 worthy are you, Lord, I exalt thee, I exalt thee, that's it, that's it. Make the lyrics your song. Make the lyrics your song. Worthy is your name. 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 Worthy, worthy, worthy. Come on, I feel heaven right here, guys. I feel this is important. Come on. Worthy is the Lamb. 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 
worthy is the Lamb. It's all for him, guys. It's all for him. The reason we are here is all for Jesus. It's all for Jesus. There's something happening in our hearts right now. I don't know what it is, but it's an alignment to it's all for you. It's all for you. It's all for you. Jesus. Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, God. I've got one other song in my head. I just, I'm going to sing it. I don't know what key it's in or anything, but um, I'm just going to try to sing it. And worthy is the Lamb seated on the throne. Seated on the throne. Crown you now. I'll crown you now with many crowns. You reign victorious. You reign victorious. High. High and lifted up. Jesus, Son of God. Jesus, Son of God. The darling. The darling of heaven, crucified. Worthy is, and worthy is the Lamb. Worthy is the Lamb. Sing it one more time. Worthy is the Lamb. We sing. Worthy is the Lamb seated, seated on the throne. We crown you now. We crown you now with many crowns. You reign victorious. Come on, high and lifted up. Sing it, church. He is high and lifted up, Jesus, Son, Jesus, Son of God, the darling, the darling of heaven, crucified. Oh, we sing worthy. Oh, and worthy is the Lamb. Worthy is the Lamb. And worthy is the Lamb. Worthy is the Lamb. Worthy. Worthy is the Lamb. Worthy is the Lamb. Worthy is the Lamb. Worthy is the Lamb. Come on, it's all for you, Jesus.
Everything we do, it's for you, Jesus. Can you declare that? It's for you, Jesus. It's for you, Jesus. It's all for you, Jesus. The songs we sing, the lyrics we sing, the, the, the instruments we play, the sermons we preach, it's all for you, Jesus. It's all for you, Jesus. It's all for you, Jesus. What are you doing, Lord? You're that good. Worthy is the Lamb. I was in worship singing that last song, I Exalt Thee. And something came into my mind that distracted me. And I, I immediately felt myself just get distracted. Just in, and just, you know, you know what I'm talking about. You're in worship, and you just something happens, and my, my focus got off. And I was having a hard, just a hard time reconnecting. And then just something just, ro- just rose up in my spirit that was that Jesus, when they started singing, I exalted, mm-hmm. Jesus, it is all for you. Yeah. Yeah. I don't care if there's another person in this room. Yeah. <laughs> it's all for you. I love worshiping with people, but I don't need to have people. <laughs> it's all for you. And in that place, when you begin to get that, some of you, I feel like, I, f- I feel the frustration on people. I feel, it's, it may not be all of you, but I felt it in the room this morning. And I felt like I almost like, you know, if you're a feeler, you can, if you're not careful, you can tune into what other people are feeling. And all of a sudden, I felt frustrated. I was like, why am I feeling frustrated? I started on the mountaintop. And how many know it can that quickly, you can leave the mountaintop and get into frustration? But at the same time, that quickly, you can get back into the mountain. And I felt like the Lord say, John, it's all for me. Mm -hmm. It's all for me. And so I feel that God is going to do something this morning that's really important. I'm going to let you be seated. I have a really important word this morning. Um, I am gonna. Uh, we're, gonna we're gonna take up an offering, and uh, it's really important that we do that. <laughs> Some yeah. It's important to give, amen. amen. I, don't, I don't have a strong word on my heart for offering right at this moment. I'm just going to lean into the fact I believe that we know it's important to give as a believer. Um, so I'm going to call up the, the ushers if you want to come forward. Those are taking up the offering. Come on up. Thank you, God. I don't want to. I don't want to push through it like it's not important. I just my heart is on something else right now, so I need to just get where God's taking my heart. But Lord, we it is a privilege and an honor to give to you. If it weren't for you, we would have nothing to even have the opportunity to give. <laughs> Lord, giving to you, Father, it's not for you. It's for us. It's for our heart. So, Lord, I ask that as we give to you, our hearts will be rooted in the soil of joy in what you're doing, joy in who you are, joy in your kingdom, joy in you. Father, 
I just release just, Father, tremendous breakthrough over everyone here. I'm going to hit, hit the pause, pause button in the middle of my prayer. Last week, we released jobs and, and things like that, offering. If you were here, you might have remembered that. Um, I had three people last week reach out to me about jobs or better jobs, finding them. Um, you know, the first one's like, cool. Second one's like, ooh, that's God. Third one's like, be dumb not to be aware that God is doing something. And so if you need this, believe for this. In Jesus' name, I just release in this room, Father, as we give to you jobs and better jobs. Lord, I, I release increase over your children. It's your will for us to live blessed, God. In every area of our life, it is your will that we live blessed. And so, Father, as we give to you this morning, I, re- I ask that, Father, that there would be breakthrough in finances, God, that we would just be, we would be in awe of you at how it happens. In Jesus' name. And if you're in agreement, say amen. amen. Okay, they can pass the baskets. You can text that number if you want to give with a card. And uh, we're going we're gonna to jump in here in a minute. Sometimes when you preach, you get hit by the awe of God. And uh, we've experienced this here with a number of our speakers have pulled me aside privately after they've preached. Some of them say it from the pulpit. I remember the first or second time Bill Vanderbush preached, I looked up and his hand was shaking, like trembling. And I thought, I didn't expect him to be nervous, you know? I remember just thinking that. And like almost right after I thought that, Bill said, I'm not nervous. <laughs> it's like he could hear me. <laughs> and he's like, there is such an awe of God in this place. He's like, I, I'm shaking in the awe of God. Yeah. I've, I've had a, a couple other people that have ministered here that have in the, in the prayer pastor room over there, they've pulled me aside and said, there's such an awe when I was ministering that I was shaking in the presence. I feel that this morning, though. I feel that on myself. I feel like a reverence of the Lord in the room. I feel like a, um, I got, when you, when you realize how big God is, there's a humility that he still chose me. Like when you begin to come into an awareness how great God is, you become honestly really humble that he chooses you still. And I feel that in the room this morning. Um, I've been going somewhere the past uh, week or two in my sermons. I'm going to be continuing to go somewhere the next. Um, it's not that we're not going somewhere other weeks, but I, I really have a mission in my heart right now that God's burning in me. And uh, we're coming into a big shift in the season at this church at the gate. We're coming up on our next Sunday as our five-year anniversary. Everybody come next Sunday. I hear there's donuts. Um, <laughs> like good donuts. And... Um, I've been praying coming into it. I've just felt such a shift in myself. There's been so many things happening in my heart over the past couple months. I've, I, I, was, uh, <laughs> I was talking to my mom about it recently on the phone. And uh, she, called, she texted me. And uh, just things that God's been showing me. We've been in a, such a breakthrough season in this house. Um, we've been in a breakthrough of just God releasing peace. Um, peace doesn't mean the storm won't try to come. Peace doesn't mean the storm won't try to come. Jesus was perfect peace, and he still went into the storm. The storm is still around. It's just you have authority over the storm. 
and we're in a season of perfect, I, I just call it perfect peace. And um, I had a dream. I don't know why I'm sharing this. I'm not going to share in detail, but I had a dream a few nights ago of something that the Lord was giving me a warning in my dream. Uh, and in the dream, in my dream, my mom showed up at the end of it. And you ever have, and I, she basically said at the end, she said, John, she said, chaos wants back in. And the whole dream was about, you ever had a dream where you can't find your way somewhere? Just the whole dream, you're trying to find your way somewhere, you show up at the wrong place, you show up at the wrong, and then, and it was like, I, I felt this, I had this dream, and then at the very end, my mom, my mom in this dream said, John, chaos wants back in. Be aware. The next morning, <laughs> my mom texted me and said, hey, am I just feeling something in my spirit? <laughs> like in real life. Um, <laughs> I was out in the woods setting up to hunt, and I pulled out my phone, and I was like, oh, wow. I'm like, that's cool. So I, I called her back, and I said, I just think this is a confirmation of, like, just, just to be aware that chaos wants back in. I talked about that shalom, the transliteral definition of shalom is to destroy the authority behind chaos. Chaos, uh, chaos is a fruit of something that's behind it. You can deal with the fruit all you want, and it will keep growing back if you don't deal with the roots. And so I feel like that's a warning. And I don't know why I'm sharing this, but I feel like the Lord's pushing me into this. That's a warning for us to be aware that breakthrough has to be sustained. And so I feel like there's a warning to make sure to keep, how many of you know that when you pull out a big tree, it's a lot of work after that, you'll see these little saplings try to go up and it's really easy to just pull those up. They'll still keep trying to come up, but don't freak out when you feel it. Is this ringing at all with anybody in the room? Um, I meet people that freak out. They're like, oh my gosh, it's back. I was like, no, 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 no. It's a sapling. You can grab it with three fingers and pull that thing out of the ground. The enemy is just trying to get you to be impressed with him because if you get impressed with him, you back down. And so don't get impressed by the devil. He's not worth it. But instead of, instead of those roots, the, the word that the Lord has given me this morning is what is, um, I have this word in my spirit about the roots of royalty. And um, the roots of royalty, we're in a season, we've been in a season and I, with the gate and with this church where I believe for the first five years, we've been just getting rooted in identity. Um, for me, anyways, that's when I started up, was five years ago. We're just getting rooted in identity of who God's called us to be. I was thinking about it this morning when I was driving in. Remember when Jesus was taken to the desert in the wilderness, and we, we were aware of the three temptations that were against him? And often I talk about the fourth, which is the fact that the devil was immediately um, challenging him on his identity, right? He said, if you're the son of God, right after the Holy Spirit just spoke from heaven, this is my son. But I thought about it. There's actually another element to all of this. And that was the enemy trying to get Jesus to do something out of season. Jesus wasn't released yet. Remember, the enemy was trying to get him to do things. If you're the son of God, do this. And I was praying about it. He was not in a season where he was yet released to do. That came after the wilderness. So the enemy was not only challenging the authority of God and the word of God. 
the enemy was challenging the identity of God and saying, if you're the son of God, but the enemy was also challenging Jesus to begin to operate premature to the season. I believe the enemy does this often where he tries to get us to begin to operate in something prematurely because it's a lot harder. My, my, uh, my nephew, um, he was actually on Instagram, church Facebook post last week. So cool what God's doing in his life. I'll, 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 this is not private because he put it on social media. He just came up here and rededicated his life to the Lord last Sunday. And literally I watched as within two days, his whole world just turned upside down of things happening for him. Like it was like the favor of God just went yeah. on him. Yeah. My nephew was born a preemie, very small. You wouldn't know it now. He's, I think he's probably taller than me. How big was Josh when he was born? He was little. You remember, mom? You don't remember? He was really tiny. And she has tiny hands. Josh was little. I remember um, I was pretty young, and I would even come help, and they were so worn out watching him at night because with preemie babies, they'll stop breathing. And I remember my sister telling me, like, if he stops breathing, tickle his feet. I'm like, I'm going to be scared to death all night to close my eyes if this child stops breathing. So I remember sleeping on the couch at their house, and, like, just if you, you'd be, <laughs> I probably tickled him constantly, driving him nuts. He was just, stop. <laughs> just making sure you're awake. Um, <laughs> How many of you know that a premature baby is a lot more work than a baby that is fully developed? Yeah. I love fat babies. <laughs> we, we say around our house, a fat baby is a happy baby. Uh, my, <laughs> Ethan's not here so I can talk about him. He was the fattest baby, my, my, my first boy. They used to call him Moose when he was a baby. He had this big old jowls, and he was just a chunk, man. And he was easy. You just set him down, and he would just plop. And uh, you just put the TV or something on, and he would just plop and enjoy it. Little Einstein's was his jam as a little kid. And um, to this day, he listens when he does school. He always wants to listen to symphony music. All right. Little Einstein's parents. All right. Ethan was easy because he was, I think, two weeks late. Yeah, over two weeks late. He was easy because he was fully matured and ready to come. Sometimes when we push things too early, you're going to have to take care of it if you birth it too early. And my journey at the gate, we've had, goodness gracious, in five years, hundreds of people, probably thousands of people come through. And there's always someone that has an opinion about what you should be doing. And there's always people that think you need to be doing more of this, more of this, more worship. More. It's funny, in the same service, I can have two people come up to me. You need to just, you should let the Holy Spirit go and worship. And another person is like, man, that worship was just a little long. <laughs> that doesn't bother me. It really doesn't. But a lot of times, if we're not careful, we can actually begin to echo a spirit that's not God if we begin to push things because it's what our passion is, but it's not what God's calling us to. In the season, he's calling us to it. And so for five years, we've really just felt like the Lord's like, just receive identity. Be in this place where you're just, um, you're really receiving who you are. But as we began to come towards this, this, this new season, 
I began to pray. I just really began to pray. I felt like the Lord was like, I want to give you something really new. You're getting ready to take a hard right turn. <laughs> and the Lord said, a lot of times you think people are with you because you just kind of go in the same direction. But when you turn, you'll find out who's really, really following. You ever been there? You're going down the road, you're driving a little too fast, and then the cop comes up behind you, like, are they following me, or are they just going the same direction of me? Y'all yeah. yeah, don't do that, right? No, no, it's happened to me before. You're just going a little too fast, and you're driving, and next thing you know, you look in your mirror, you're like, is he following me, or are we just going the same direction? And you're waiting for that turn to come, and you're just like waiting on it. And then you turn, and they keep going. And you're like, all right, not following me. One of, the, one of the concepts we learn in just in the reality of leadership is a lot of times you think people are going with you. You think they're following you, but they're actually just kind of going the same direction as you. And then when God says, turn this way, you're going to find out who's with you. And I feel in my spirit this morning, we're taking a hard right turn. And... I feel like the Lord's saying, you've been in the wilderness, you've been in identity, you've been growing in this, now it's time to step out and it's time to begin to do what I'm calling you to do in the season I've called you to do it. And so I want to talk to you this morning about a topic that in our stream of church isn't always the most popular, it's servanthood. I've been in this, this stream, and I think we've come so far in our revelation of who we are in Christ. I think we've come so far, like we're beginning to see, you know, we're, we're, we're sons and daughters. We're royalty. And I, I hear people, it's like they're getting it. It's like they're actually getting Ephesians, you know, like when, when Paul's trying to describe, do you understand who you are in Christ? And he's going through every word. Paul was brilliant with his articulation of Ephesians. Like, I don't think most people understand how smart Paul was. And he was trying to literally milk every word that he could think of to describe the greatness of God and what's in you. And we've been pursuing for years, like, 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 like raising up kings and sons and daughters. And one of the things that, that if, if, if we aren't careful is that we have to understand that the soil that royalty is rooted in is serving. The soil that royalty is rooted in is serving. Jesus was trying to get this across too. We see Jesus with his disciples. I don't think we understand the paradigm shift that happened with the disciples when Jesus came along and said, listen, guys, you can call him father. You understand like how big of a deal that was to them? They were thinking this militant savior was going to come. And here comes Jesus like in a stable and he's raised up with very humble settings. And next thing we know, he's telling them, you can call him dad, Abba. He's blowing them away. And then, then he begins to like share with them who they are in Christ. They're really getting blown away. And what is he doing? Jesus is creating such a culture around him that they begin to realize, I'm great. <laughs> like, do you understand? Like, it's okay for people to be around you. They should be feeling great when they're around you. <laughs> There's this, I hear some people, well, you're, you know, let's not get too thinking too much of ourselves. Listen, if it's rooted in Jesus, you are great. 
Don't fall into this false sense of humility. And, and here's Jesus. How do we know that this was happening? Here's how, here's how we know this was happening. Jesus, it says that the disciples, they begin to argue who's the greatest. Now, if, 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 I was, if, if this was at the gate, right, and you walked in and heard my leadership team like, hey, listen, Jordan, I don't know about you, and, and AJ are having a conversation, and, and Annie jumps in and is like, let's just be honest, guys, who's the greatest? Who's the greatest opener? Come on, let's, let's just discuss it. Who's the greatest closer? <laughs> Nobody likes to open. That's the hard one, because everyone comes in like, <laughs> it's hard. You'd be like, oh, that is... I, I cannot believe that. Listen, Jesus, he personally raised up these 12, and they're fighting who's the greatest. Yeah, yeah. So we know that they got past the point of just, am I great, to the point of, now, who's greatest? I, I actually love, that, I actually love that, that Jesus was such a champion of people that they went a little too far, and they were starting to argue who's the best. Yeah. <laughs> I, I love that. I, I, some of you, it's like, Jesus was not trying to like suppress them with defeat. He was lifting them up. You guys are great. You can do this. You, you can do the same things that I do, guys. And they're like, this is great. And then they started getting a little too far and they're like, who's the greatest? I'm the greatest. And so I want to, I want to pick up on this in just a moment because this is the context for a scripture that I'm getting ready to, to read but I think it takes a funny turn when all of a sudden they're arguing who's the greatest. And in this moment, they need Jesus to come in and to drop a little story. <laughs> and so this is so fun. Um, I actually, I got a lot of scriptures this morning, so we're going to put them up on the screen. But the first one is Luke chapter 17, verse 7. And it says, suppose one of you has a servant plowing or looking after the sheep. Will he say to the servant when he comes in from the field, come along now, sit down, eat? Won't he rather say, prepare my supper, get yourself ready, and wait on me while I eat and drink? After that, you can eat and drink. Will he thank the servant because he did what he was told to do? So you also, when you have done everything you were told to do, should say, we're unworthy servants, we have only done our duty. <laughs> This is Jesus' response to them arguing who's the best. You guys are quiet on me. What is he trying to say here? Jesus is trying to bring them to a place that they begin to understand that no matter how much revelation they get of the greatness and royalty that's in their identity, you can never leave behind the position of a servant. See, this has gotten out of hand because I hear people like, well, I'm not a servant. I'm a son of God. Well, you're right. That's why it's more powerful because you choose to be a servant. It's a choice. Bond servant. It's a choice. I, I hear this often. People are like, oh, just a son of God. I'm not a servant anymore. Listen, if you... Jesus immediately, when he began to realize something's getting out of whack here, they're, they're beginning to get, a, the, the royalty identity is beginning to land on them really heavy. He's like, I, I need to remind you guys that it's still important for you to be a servant. Jesus himself was a servant king. 
every person in this room, every person that attends this place, every person, you are called to lead. You are called to lead. No one in this room is not called to lead somewhere. You've all been equipped. You've all been empowered to lead in some area of life. I, I talked about it last week. We are reformers. You are reformers. But every person is also called to serve. You don't hit a place in life where, like, you fulfilled all your service hours, like community service. <laughs> I deal with this all the time. Not as much anymore, but I, I've dealt with some really hard meetings where people have sat down in my office and want to take the reins of something in leadership. And I'll just say, where are you serving? I've already done that. That's what they'll say. I said, well, not here, you've not. I'll never forget, I sat in a meeting with a couple. This was years ago. And they came in upset that I wasn't letting them do what they wanted to do. And, and, and they came in, and, and, and they had began to establish themselves as a father and a mother over people in this congregation. They weren't asking them to be their father and mother. And can I just make this really clear? No one has the right to establish themselves as your father and mother spiritually. Amen. I'm going to hit that one straight on. I'm going to punch it right in the nose. If you feel called to be a father or mother in someone's life, you can begin to walk in that grace without having to establish something of dominance over that person through a title. If someone feels like you have to recognize them as their father, as, as, your, as the father or mother spiritually, they're probably too insecure to be able to walk in the grace of a father or mother. And I've seen this. I've had people walk up to us. I had a person walk up to Tiffany one time and said, God's told me to be your spiritual mother. And I said, uh-uh. <laughs> Who are you? Can I just be real with all this this morning? This is the stuff that I feel like I need to talk about. And I'm like, and, 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 and it boiled down to having a meeting. And it was like this, this and I said, listen, listen, I, I appreciate all the gifts you have. I, I appreciate all the passion within you. I believe God's put a lot of that there. But where are you serving? This is not just a sermon about building up ministries. I don't have a list of ministries. I do believe that when we begin to truly get an understanding of this, I fully believe that there will be no lack in people serving. I really believe that. I'm going to be super direct this morning because that's what the Lord has told me to do. But this, 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 this thing with serving in the, in the, um, directly in the local church is not like community service hours and you hit them and you're done. I've done that, you know, I'm, I'm past that. Listen, it's not how it works. I'm preaching this because God gave me a vision last Tuesday morning. We, were, we came down here with um, the staff and we prayed. And I was standing here and I saw a vision as we prayed. I saw a vision of people lining the walls in this room, looking in at the people that were sitting in the seats. And God was saying, I'm raising up a group of people that will serve like me. And they're not serving a task, they're serving a people. And it, it stuck with me. I haven't, I, can't, I haven't been able to shake it all week. I see people like lining the room. And I saw God said, they're not serving a task. They're serving a people. Tiffany said it in prayer this morning. If you're in pre-service prayer, you pretty much already heard my sermon because it just came out through people. But Tiffany said it. She said, we've gotten really good at focusing on the groom 
but are we focusing as much also on the bride? I love the bride of Christ. I love the body of Christ. I love the church. I will fight for it. When people begin to diminish it, I will stand my ground. Because I don't see how that you can love Jesus and not love his body. We've talked about that you're a reformer, you're a, you're a leader, and, but the foundation of what the kingdom of God is built upon is serving. It's a servant heart. We're called to bring change to our city. We're called to bring change to our nation. We, you, you, I've, I've preached all this. I laid the foundation for being a reformer last week. You're called to lead. There's no question there, but you're also called to serve. And, and who do we model this after? Honestly, it's, we all have somewhere that we have attended throughout history where we had leadership that let us down. We just have. But Jesus is our model. Jesus is our model. He is our model in whom we look at when we say, what does it look like to be royalty and a servant? Jesus. Is this, is this not like deep enough for you? Is this, you getting this? He led from the heart of a servant. I think we have to be careful that we don't fall into the same mindset that the disciples struggled with. It's, it's great when we become strong in our identity. It's great when we become aware of our royalty. I love it that like my eight-year-old Adeline knows that she is royalty. Yeah. I mean, we're, we're shifting culture where the kids get it. I love that. I love what I feel is taking root in people. But it's also so important that we understand that the soil that it's rooted in is the heart of a servant. We get so focused, and I love some of these messages on, like, influence. And, and I put a post up on social media that, that, that said it as well as I could say it. You know, we, we have teachings about the seven mountains, and I don't have any problem with those teachings. I believe that we're called to influence every area of life that we're in. I really do. My, my only thing is, is that if you're trying to lead an area before you serve an area, you're going to have a real hard time having any influence over it. You have to serve before you lead. I'm going to give you a lot of scriptures here in just a moment that's going to back a lot of this up. But we, we, have, to, we have to serve. If you want to, people are like, I want to win the city for the Lord, then you better be ready to serve the city for the Lord. We've got this idea that we're just going to bring in Christians and put them in all the places of influence and take over. Ooh, you got real quiet. If we could just have a pastor be our president, you don't want a pastor to be your president. <laughs> Read your Bible and look at the model of how much Jesus moved through an influencer that was connected to the heart of a king. You can see it through Joseph, he was an influencer. 
But he first had to go through the process of going through prison and saying, tell me your dream, let me serve you. And through the process of serving another's dream, he became connected to royalty and he was an influencer. I believe that's how it's supposed to work. I believe that if we're not careful, we can spend our whole life interceding that the right person will come into a certain office when really you need to begin to influence that office. I am going to keep going. It doesn't bother me. I was ready for this. I was ready for this. We're turning right. Hang on. Some of you going to fly off. <laughs> I just did that to my son recently. Funny story in the middle of this. I was, I was driving. I have a side-by-side -side on my farm, and I was driving really fast towards the pond. I was going to act like I was going to drive into it, and then last minute yank it, and I realized he was hanging off the side. <laughs> I came this close from just, whoosh, and he, he grabbed on, and I almost shot him straight in the pond. <laughs> Would have been so much better if he flew in. <laughs> we have to be able to serve. We have to be able to serve a city. We have to, that's why we prayed last week, and we began to pray over law enforcement. We began to pray over teachers. We began to pray over all these people. You are here to serve. Your heart is, is modeled after the king of kings who came to serve. Matthew 20, verse 20, says this. Then the mother of Zebedee's sons came to Jesus with her sons and kneeling down asked a favor of him. What is it you want, he asked. And she said, grant one of these two sons of mine to sit at your right and the other at your left in the kingdom. You don't know what you're asking, Jesus said to them. Can you drink the cup that I'm going to drink? We can, they answered. Jesus said, you will indeed drink from my cup, but to sit at my right and left is not for me to grant. These places belong to those for whom they have been prepared by the Father. When the ten heard about this, they were indignant with the two brothers. Pause again. I, I love this message. Jesus just draws out. People want to be great. They get around Jesus. And they're like, can we be with you? And the disciples are like, I can't believe that you would even ask this of him. <laughs> Jesus called them together and said, you know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them. And their high officials exercise authority over them. Pause here a minute. Jesus is giving them a little bit of awareness. He's saying, you do realize that these guys have been in a place where they have just dealt with authority that has ruled over them. This is the model that they understand. He's trying to bring some compassion to his 10 justice-driven disciples in this moment. <laughs> so Y'all know what I'm talking about. Some of you get super justice-driven, and you're like, I can't believe you would ask that. He says, guys, just realize they're used to people lording over them. They're used to a dictator-type leadership over them. Verse, and he says this, verse 26, um, not so, though, with you. <laughs> Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. <laughs> and whoever wants to be first must be your slave. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Yeah. This is a powerful scripture. Here comes this 
again, are you listening to Jesus' responses? Every time someone is reaching for greatness, it's not that he smacks their hand away. It's that he reroutes them in a heart to serve. He's saying, you can be great, but it has to be royal, rooted in servanthood. Disciples, who's the greatest? Jesus didn't say, stop that. He said, all right, guys, just remember, even when you've worked in the day, we're out in the field plowing all day when you come inside, serve the king. He came and rooted them right back in serving. The two brothers, the mother comes, listen, if you just let one of them sit with you, and they're like, we want to be great. We can drink of this cup. Jesus is like, you cannot drink of the cup that I'm drinking of, but I'll let you drink of my cup. And he says this, he says, you just have to realize that it doesn't work in my kingdom like what you're used to with these rulers. You have to choose to still be rooted in servanthood. He's not coming in and saying, don't be great. He's saying, if you want to be great, you have to know how to be rooted. He's not against being great. See, that's the message that has taken servanthood and put it into an unhealthy place as when we have used the message of just constantly making everyone feel like they're a worm, serve. That's terrible. I wouldn't want to go to that church either. I, I, I want to know, God is saying, you can be great, but serve. And I'm not just talking about here. I'm going to get to that in a minute. He said, I want you to be great. Just be servant-hearted. I want to read another scripture in Philippians chapter 2, verse 1 says, Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and one mind. Here it is. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourself. Not looking to your own interest, but each of you to the interest of others. <laughs> you say, listen, if you believe anything I've said, just do me one, just do me one favor. <laughs> do everything you do. And keep others in mind. As we draw near to Jesus, as we, as we begin to really come close to him, it's, it's just like Mary. When you get close to Jesus, she poured out a costly perfume on the body of Christ. Her heart to draw near to Jesus, it was so prophetic, was that she took a costly perfume and said, I want to pour it on the body of Christ. This is, this is a really big deal because Mary didn't have this, this you know, I, I don't want to give too much. I'm just going to use my cheap stuff. She had such a passion in her that was so in love with Jesus that said, I, I just want to take it all and lay it and just pour it on his body. I want to be close to him. It cost her something. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get into the, the real fun stuff now. You think it's been 
fun. Here we go. <laughs> People tell me all the time, you know, I, I say, you know, I'll say, hey, you know, are you serving? You know, well, no, no, no. Um, well, why don't you get, don't you do something? And how about this? Well, I'm just not passionate about that. You have to be able to serve beyond your passion. I just don't feel called to be an usher. Really? <laughs> you guys are so quiet. I don't feel called to that. You have to be able to serve beyond what you feel called to. That's why it's called serving. It's because you're serving something else that someone else is called to. If you just get to do what your passions are every week, that's a reward, not serving. I just, I, you know, I'm a, I'm a bass player. That's all, that's all I want to do. Well, that's great. But we, right now what we need is we need someone to come early and help just set things up. Well, I'm not called to that. You're called to be like Jesus, the one who washed the feet of the disciples. the years I've been in ministry, I've not met many people that do. Yeah. Honestly, I, can, I could probably count on in between these two hands. And I started ministry full time at 18 years old. I bet you it's never been more than 10 people that have told me they're passionate about doing kids. But you know what I am passionate about is I am passionate about children learning who they are in Christ. Yeah. And if I have to serve something that's bigger than my passion, I'll do it. I'll smile to make you feel better. <laughs> I'm just going to do the smile and nod. It's like when someone's speaking in a language and you don't get it and they don't get it and you just keep smiling and nodding at each other. I feel like I, that's what's happening this morning. You're like, ah, I don't know what's going on right now. He's, he's up to something. I am up to something. I, I am going somewhere. God is assembling. I said this last week. God, this, the, the theme in my spirit for where he's taking us is assemble. Assemble, not gather. We've been gathering, and that's awesome. The Western culture church is obsessed with the gatherings. We've got gatherings perfect. The lights are right. The sound is right. Everything is right with the gathering. That's great. But God said to assemble. Yeah. He's calling the pieces in. And it's, listen, there might be times in life when you serve something that is not your preference. That's why it's called sacrifice. Yeah. This morning... Listen, you need to be able to serve in your marriage yeah. with your kids. I meet some people that would rather come up here and set up chairs than empty the dishwasher for their wife. <laughs> you got a problem too because you're called to serve. Listen, this morning I got up and Tiffany was, she slept in a little late and a uh, confession moment. I was like, my Kenzie was gone, and she's my morning chores person with the animals on the farm, and Adeline's like, it's spooky, it's foggy, Dad. She's not going out there. <laughs> Tiffany's getting ready, and I'm doing my sermon, and I'm like, I don't want to go out and deal with goats and chickens, and I was not happy. I'm like, I don't want to deal with these things right now, but you know what? And I'm sitting there thinking, this is not my dream. 
I didn't want goats. I like the pond and the farm and all that. I never really cared about goats and all that stuff. That's her dream. And the Lord's like, you are working on a sermon about serving someone else's dream. It's like, come on, man. And I was like, I got up and I'm like, come on, goats, get out of your cage. And then sure enough, there was like a bunch of eggs. I'm like, no, I got to get eggs out. And I'm like, I just wanted to just throw them in my pond and these stupid eggs. And I'm, and I'm just like, come on, man. And I get up there and, and the Lord's like, John, this is, this is exactly what I'm talking about. You are serving something that isn't even your dream. And what happens is, is when we get a church full of people that, when we get a, a culture, let's not use the word church, when we get a culture full of people that just want to serve their dream, you'll never get rooted anywhere. Yeah, that's right. You're going to go through here and through there and through there and all these different places because I just want to serve my dream. Wow. And God's like, you don't understand. It's not a sacrifice to serve your dream. That's a reward. I love, I, when I first started, I, I've been in ministry for like forever. At 12 years old, I was playing the drums every single week. And when I say every single week, I was a pastor's kid. I was the only drummer. And I did that for like, my goodness, a long time, probably 15 years. And I, but you know what? Just to be honest, that wasn't much of a sacrifice. I loved it. I loved playing drums. And I was like young and single. The girls loved drummers. I was like, chicks love drummers. Parents don't always love drummers. <laughs> girls like drummers. And I'm like, I'm a drummer, man. I remember I got to travel to England with a worship team and play drums. I was not sacrificing. I was having fun. And, and it's so easy to get into that place and get into this mindset where it's like, oh, that's such a sacrifice. Don't get me wrong. There are times with what they do that they greatly sacrifice in time and preparation and in money and getting here early. Don't twist what I'm saying. But what I'm saying is there's sometimes that there are things that are passions that when we get to do it, it's, it's a joy, it's a reward to do that, man. But there are other things that when I walk in and I see something and I'm like, oh, is anybody going to pick that up? That trash, like all over the floor. I'm, I'm going to clean that up. You watch me, man. I am so OCD with the chairs around here. I'm constantly moving chairs around, making sure. Why? Because I just want to present the Lord good. Amen. You may not care, and I don't care if you care. I just want to present God good. I, 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 listen, I remember one time we were having a conference here, and um, my son, Ethan, it was an all-day event, and we had animals, so he stayed home because we couldn't leave our dog in the cage all day. <laughs> I get this phone call right before church starts, right before church starts. I mean, worship is getting ready to launch. And my, my son, who at that point was like nine years old, he's like, Dad, Misha has went the bathroom everywhere. Like, like, her, like bad. Some of you are like, this just took a turn. <laughs> everywhere. And I'm like, he's like, Dad, and my son has a very weak stomach. He's like, <laughs> he's like gagging on the phone. I can't leave. Neither can he. He's stuck at home. And I'm stuck here. And all my friends are here. And I'm like, what do I do? And there comes that moment where you're like, There's, there is very few people that will clean a mess like this. A father will. And, I, and we texted Tiffany's dad, who has passed since then. 
and said, we're so sorry to bother you. We don't know what else to do, but the dog has went to the bathroom everywhere, and Ethan stuck at home. And I, I'll never forget it. He said, I got it. You guys don't worry about it. And Ethan said he showed up at the house with, like, rubber gloves up to his <laughs> shoulders. This guy, like, he's like, he was like, yeah, I'm not going to tell you. If, if you don't like story, yeah, let's leave it there. Um, he, let's just say he can clean anything. Alive, dead, yeah. Clean anything. And he came in with gloves and a bucket and a smile on his face. And he's like, Ethan, I got you. And he cleaned it all and he scrubbed it all. And you know what that did? That stuck with my son. He's, because you know what? Authority is rooted in relationship. And relationship is rooted in serving each other. And listen, I, I, I appreciate people that come in and have great skills. God gave you those skills and passions to advance the kingdom of God. Please don't mishear me. But there's something that goes beyond that. It's called the sacrifice of serving. I've been telling the team and the staff for weeks now, I, said, I can't explain it. I feel like I'm relaunching the church. It's that hard of a right churn that I said, I feel like God's saying, you're coming out of the wilderness. Let's go. But you know what that does? For me, it's not like, you know, it means you just do what needs to be done. Yeah. And it's so easy to say, that's, that's just not my thing. You know, I just want to be, I just want to, I'm a teacher. You know, someone's like, I hear that one a lot. Just teachers really want to teach. And it's not easy to teach if there's nobody there. It's one of those gifts that's funner with people. <laughs> Worship leaders, they do it in the mirror all day long. They're fine. I did that before I was a worship leader. I remember singing in the mirror, just worshiping the Lord. Teachers need to talk to somebody. So teachers are miserable when they have no one to talk to. And they come to me. And they're like, I just want to teach. And I, and I, I so appreciated a young lady came up to me last Sunday after the service because I felt like it was a token knowing what I was going to be speaking on this week. She said, listen, I'm a teacher, but I just want to let you know, I just want to serve whatever that looks like. My heart about exploded. Because I'm like, that is the heart of Christ. That is the heart of Jesus. Listen, he, Jesus was the best teacher ever. And he said, but I also can wash your feet. Do you understand, I have, I, when I grew up in youth group, we did like foot washing services all the time, and I don't think we ever knew what they were really about. Yeah. It's a metaphor. It's, a, it's humbling, but it's, it's, it's supposed to be that I will serve you. We don't, we don't need another foot washing service. We need to do it. What's the point? I think we often, we often feel that we're overqualified for a job, not because of what we're doing, but I don't often think we realize who we're actually serving.
The fullest revelation of serving is realizing that you're serving Jesus through everything you do. That's really the root. When we get that, it changes everything. I do it for Jesus. When I was in worship and I began to get distracted this morning, God brought me back to it and says, John, you're doing this for me. You serve him. The Bible says that when you give a cup of water to someone else, you're giving a cup of water to him. Can I give you a little more? First yeah. Peter 5.2. Be shepherds of God's flock. This is, un- this is a scripture where um, Peter's speaking to like the oversight in the church. He said, be shepherds of God's flock that is under your care, watching over them, not because you must, but because you are willing, as God wants you to be. Not pursuing dishonest gain, but eager to serve. Everybody say eager to serve. Eager to serve. We see Peter laying out these qualifications for the body, and he uses this language. He says, eager to serve. He even clarifies, he says, not because you must. That's our problem is when we begin to feel like, I must. God, you don't have to. You don't have to do anything. You can give your life to Jesus, and one of these days you die and be in the fullness of his presence. You don't have to ever serve. But he says, if you want to be qualified to lead, and specifically in the context of a church, he said, you need to be eager to serve. Serving really positions us for kingdom success. It's, it's in the place of serving that, this is really important, it's in the place of serving that my heart actually stays protected. We, we come in and we're like, Lord, I want more of you. I want more revelation. I want more understanding. I want more presence. I want more miracles. I want more. And I've seen people that get that and they leave the heart of serving and it's almost always a fall. Serving keeps the foundation. You pr- it was prayed this morning. Serving keeps the foundation that when God begins to build in your life, serving keeps it strong. We had that terrible um, failure of a foundation in that, that church in Orlando a few months ago where people were unaware of the erosion that was happening in the foundation of that, that condominium, and tons of people were killed, crushed, because the foundation had gotten weakened. Listen, that's not an old word. That's an extremely important word for you to understand, that when I serve, it constantly keeps my foundation strong and secure. It keeps my heart in a place. We pray, Lord, I want more. I want more finances. I want more influence. I want more favor. I want all this stuff. There's really nothing wrong with wanting that. As long as you ask yourself the question, what are you going to do with it? If he gives you more finances, what are you going to do with it? Is it to serve or is it to receive?
Serving is humility manifested. Serving is humility manifested. <laughs> I've always thought about that. What does humility look like? It's a servant heart. It's someone who's willing to serve. Some of the greatest people I know are not great preachers. They're not the people that lay out or do all the different elements of the service. So often the people just say, hey, I just have a heart to serve. And once you hit this point, it doesn't change the fact that you're still called to serve. You're getting quieter. It creates a dangerous. It actually gets dangerous when we begin to receive so much from the Lord and it begins to get uprooted from the heart of a servant. It gets dangerous. I've watched it time and time again, even friends of mine, where I was like, that God was speaking to them majorly and it began to leave the heart of wanting to serve. But the gift kept growing and I'm watching it going, oh, that scares me. I, I watch, I was even talking to somebody this morning, there's people in the church right now that God's really pouring his favor out on and up, like worship leaders and stuff that are like showing up on every album and, and I, I don't have a problem with that, but I said, that scares me. I just, I have my responsibility is to pray that they stay rooted Because God wants to. You understand? It's, it's, it's not this false. I, I grew up in this, this, this culture of humility is like you're, you know, you're, you're a worm every night. You better make sure that you're saved before you go to sleep because yeah. God could come and you're going to miss it. Yeah. I, I grew up in a, and, and it wasn't so, even so much my parents, honestly, it was more just a cultural message that was in the denomination that I was a part of. And it was always this just like, you know, this the idea of being rich and being humble was like foreign. They're like, how could that happen? You know what I mean? And so we, we almost pushed out people of wealth because our, our understanding didn't welcome them. I remember there were people in the church that were very wealthy. And I remember one time a guy said, I wish I could bring, um, he had a really nice RV. This was like 20 years ago. And he was like, I wish I could uh, bring it up to the church for conferences. He said, but people, I feel... Uh, so much confusion and judgment from the church when I ever bring something like that. Yeah. And I felt in my spirit, Lord's like, this is not humility. Right. Uh, we're so confused. And God doesn't want us to be not great. You understand? I, we, I get it. We pray prayers like, not my will be done, but yours, Lord, all to you, the glory. So important. We need to stay rooted in that. But I feel like the Father at the same time is speaking to you and me and saying, you're my child. You were created for greatness. You're created for royalty. But here's the thing. We start going down that path, and it's powerful. We begin to get understanding. And sooner or later, we kind of hit a wall, and God brings that Luke 17 moment back to us. He's like, now, just remember, though, just because you're doing all this, you still have to be okay to come in and sit down and serve the king. That scripture really messes with me because I'm a words of affirmation person. And when he's like, and don't even expect to thank you. That's exactly what Jesus said to him. He's like, he's like, listen, you need to be able to come in and do it and, and probably not even going to get a thank you. You want to know when your heart gets revealed with serving is when you do it and no one notices it. Yeah. 
you will soon find out, oh, you actually weren't doing that for the kingdom. You were doing that for you. You'll know because when you, and we all face this, we all face this when we come up and do something. I've done it. I've worked hours on something and no, everyone comes up and no one notices it. And I'm sitting there like, I cannot believe no one is noticing this. I have spent hours doing this. And you, all of a sudden God's like, you know, you start feeling that, oh, you are actually serving the kingdom. You're serving yourself. And we need these moments. We need these things to flush it out. Jesus was a great leader, and his disciples were fighting over who was the greatest. Don't take it as like a, the church is not doing well. I think it's a great thing when people begin to swing a little far the other way. But be prepared, because God is really good at helping you get back a little bit. Does anybody know what I'm talking about this morning? I have, man, I feel sometimes like I'm going 80 miles an hour, and in one moment, I can hit a wall. And God's like, oh, just want to remind you, you are a servant. It happens to all of us. Jesus said, this is how the kingdom of God works. You're going to work hard all day at your job. And you're going to come in and serve and don't expect a thank you. <laughs> Sounds like a great volunteer slogan, right? You know, it's like, it's, I don't, you know. Let me, let me say this. I don't believe that is the model for how we should lead, but I do believe that is the model for how we should serve. Yeah, that's right. You say, wait a minute, because in Hebrews, God says he sees what you do in, in secret and he rewards you. Yeah. So I can show you scriptures from another perspective too. The point of this is not about the master. The point of this is about the servant. Yeah. The point of this is not, that's not how you create a culture of serving in your church. Come when you're tired, do it, and you're not going to get a thank you. Yeah. Some of you are like, been there, done that, many years. You know? <laughs> but that's, that's, not, that's not the culture we want to create from the leadership perspective. But that is the culture that you need to create from a child of God perspective, that you understand that there will be times where I'm going to come in and feel worn out. And I just, and everything in you just wants somebody to thank you. And you don't get it. You get to ask yourself a really hard question. Am I doing it for him or am I doing it for me? If serving requires acknowledgement, I'm not doing it unto the Lord. I'm doing it unto myself. <laughs> Jesus understands that in the kingdom, promotion is not based on performance. It's based on humility. He gets that. He understands that. I'm done. Some of you are like, thank God. <laughs> <laughs> There's a part two next week, though. <laughs> Maybe it'll get more fun. Um, I was thinking about Moses. You know, Moses is an interesting character. Because most of us read the story of Moses and we like, man, well, we, we, skip a, a, we skip a portion of the story of Moses. We're like, man, God found him. He was in the desert. He was humble. And after he killed someone 40 years ago trying to take leadership over. See, at 40 years old, Moses began to see around him there was something wrong. And he began to see things. And 
he began to feel the calling in his life. And at 40 years old, he said, I've had enough of this. I'm going to do something about it. I'm going to take this into my own hands. And he killed an Egyptian, buried him in the sand, the scripture says, showed up to work soon after. People are arguing, and he's stepping back into that leadership role because you can try to do it outside God's timing. And he stepped back up and said, you guys need to stop. And they said, why? Are you going to kill us like you did the other guy? That's what they said. You want to talk about an eye-opener? He didn't know anyone knew. And they said, why? Are you going to murder us like you did the Egyptian? Moses said, I think it's about time for me to head out. So... <laughs> <laughs> Moses is like, I'm out, guys. Moses took off. And here's what I want you to recognize. You want to know when God called Moses? You want to know where he had the burning bush moment in his life? He was tending someone else's flock. He was taking care of his father-in-law, Jethro's sheep. And that's where he had the burning bush moment. It wasn't until he came to the place where he could serve someone else's flock that God said, now you're ready. And when God came to him, he was a whole different guy. 40 years ago, he was ready to take on the world and take down people by himself. And God says, I choose you. And Moses is like, no, 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 no. I can't do it. Wait a minute. This is the same guy that rose up and furious anger 40 years ago because of an injustice he saw is now 40 years old. He's 80 years old saying, I don't feel qualified. God said, perfect. Now you're right where I needed you to be. I can work with this. I couldn't work with that. I could take you through story after story that we don't have time with of people that were David was out tending to his father's flock when he came called. Do you see the prophetic imagery in it? We're called to serve. We're called to serve. And I'm going to begin to, you know, like I said, we're making a hard right-hand turn. I see where God's taking us. And I see that we can't get there unless we're serving. And it's not just in the house of God. It's your kids. It's your family. It's your spouse. It's your neighbors. Mm -hmm. It's your workplace. But I do believe that there is a serving that has to happen in the house of God. Mm -hmm. And I'm calling you guys that we're coming into a season Next Sunday is our five-year anniversary, and there's a number of things that we'll be laying out that we feel God taking us into in this next year of the church, and it's a big shift. And our identity doesn't change. Please don't ever think we're changing who we are. Oh, great, they're going to quit worshiping and do 15-minute worship services. Like, oh, I wouldn't come if that was the case. Um, That's not where we're going. Our identity hasn't changed. It's that God, the master, has been creating this beautiful picture. And he's saying, now you need to assemble so you can take it and do what I've called you to do. And so I am stepping out this morning and saying, we have to be servant-hearted. I challenge you, even those of you that are in ministry, even my ministry team, what are you serving that doesn't help what you're building? God asked me that. I said, John, what are you serving that has nothing to do with what you're building? 
have to be hearts of servants. That's what royalty is rooted in. Amen? Mm-hmm. All right, stand up. Thanks so much for getting through that long hour. Um, I am, let me say this, guys. I am super excited. When I say we've got some different, like we're shifting a few things that are pretty major, some things that we've been doing for like five years in this church are, are shifting into the new year that we just feel God is stirring in our heart. We've got prophetic words. We've had tons of people come through and speak into us and we just feel like God is saying, now's the time. And I know this, I know that we can't do it unless we assemble. And so I'm with you. And I also realize that there's a lot of people let me say this. I just felt the Lord say this. This might be crazy, but some of you may not feel like God's taking you the same direction. And that's okay. I just felt that in my spirit. I felt someone say, but I feel God taking me a different direction. That's okay. This is like church attended suicide, but I just, I felt like as soon as I said it, the Lord spoke that. And so there have been people here that you faithfully served for a while and you faithfully been here and God's saying, no condemnation if you're not feeling like you're going this way. So I want to release that off you. Those of you that are going with us, I'm calling you to step it up. But there's some people that you're not and that's okay too. So Lord, I, I just thank you. Did that make sense at all? Like, I felt really from left field, but the Holy Spirit, like, poked me in the eye. Like, stop and say this. So, Lord, I just want to give you thanks, Father, for for what you've done. I want to give you thanks. Listen, this is our last Sunday in this stretch of the first five years of this house. Some of you may have not even been here but a few months, but can we just give thanks for all that he's done? Like, just, just, Father, we have, we just give thanks. We just give thanks, God. We just give thanks, God. You are so good. You are so good. You have been so faithful. You have spoke to us. You have led us. You have developed us. You've come in and taken, Father, what was a baby and and helped begin to raise it up into what you've called it to be, Lord. And here we are coming up on just a huge shift in, in 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 the life of this house, Lord. And Father, we just want to make the declaration today that, Father, we are carrying over all the values. We are carrying over everything you've shown us, Lord, and we are excited about where you're taking us, Lord. Father, I pray over those that are um, watching this, that are even in here right now, say, I actually just don't feel like I'm going along. I'm, I just, I bless you. I just want to bless you into what the Lord has for you. But let me just clarify this. This is not for people that just don't want to serve. This is for people that don't feel like God's taking them where we're going. I speak to those of you that this has been a hard topic for you, and I speak that God would set you free in this area, and he would bring freedom, that he is the servant king, that he is the one that came to serve and to not be served. He is the one that said, it's okay to be great, but make sure you remember you're still a servant. You are so good. You are so good, God. Now, Lord, we just lay everything else on the table today and say, Father, you are, you are the head of this church. So we just follow you in Jesus' name. Amen. You've been listening to the Gate Charlotte's podcast. Consider subscribing so you don't miss a message or sending this to someone who might need encouragement today. Thanks for joining us.